Welcome to Trainers Talking Truths. This is an ISSA podcast dedicated to exploring the fitness industry and uncovering the whys and hows of personal training. To do that, we'll talk directly to the industry experts and certified trainers. We'll dig into fitness programming, business tactics, nutrition, and more. You'll even hear from current training clients who offer insight from the other side. We've got the fitness industry covered, so turn up the volume and enjoy the drive. Hello, world. Welcome back for another ISSA podcast, Trainers Talking Truths. I am your co-host, Jenny Scott, here with my co-host, my favorite co-host, Dan, the man, Duran. What's up, Dan? Well, I'm feeling a little small today, Jenny. You know, we're, we're talking about bodybuilding. We have, uh, you know, I'm looking at and talking to three current or former bodybuilding competitors and trainers, and uh, I'm feeling a little bit small. I'm, I'm just going to say, you know, it's 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 not my my day of feeling confident. I throw up some biceps, and I know I'm outgunned in the room, especially when I look at you. Don't be flexing on me. You don't want to see I, I know. I know. I, I, I see the pipeline, girl. I see it. I see it when you're just sitting there at rest. So it's, it's I'm, I'm like I said, I'm outgunned here. I'm outgunned. Oh. But it's a real pleasure. It's, it's a real pleasure to be talking about this topic today. Um, I have the opportunity to uh, do another podcast with a good friend of mine, a partner of ISSA's, Brandon Daniels, Director of Personal Training at Work at Any Time. And actually, Brandon is going to introduce our other guest, okay? So we're, we're doing a little leapfrog here, and we have multiple guests to, 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 to speak with today. Absolutely. Yeah, we had Brandon on our podcast, guys. Second episode. Go back, check it out. But Brandon, welcome. Thanks for joining well, us. Well, it's great to be back. And first of all, Dan, you're just covering up, man. You're just wearing very big clothes. Yeah, all right. I know yeah. great shape. Yeah, I got the hoodie and the sweatshirt on, right? So that I can yeah. No, no. So that was a half truth. Uh, we all know what great shape you're in, man. Come yeah. on now. Come no. on. Come I'm on. Great. Still, I'm still fighting the COVID-19, brother. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's great to be back, guys. You get, you're a very dynamic group. I'm very uh, blessed to be here. And, um, you know, so, so Jenny, you got, usually the question is, where was my background? Can I start off that, that, that way? Absolutely. Where'd you come from? Yeah. Yeah. Start off with, cause like you asked me last time, you know, what was your journey and how did you get where you are, uh, right now? And, And it's really an honor for me, guys. I'm like, I'm like giddy excited because, you know, the man that's on the call with us had such a huge, has had a, such a huge impact on my life. And so where, where it started for me is, first of all, I'm very passionate about uh, health and fitness, always have been from a very young age, wanted to be in that realm. And I'm a big believer that success leaves clues, right? So find someone that's the best at whatever you want to do and get to know them, ask them a lot of questions and learn from them. And that's what I was very, very blessed and lucky to do with John Defendus. And so when I say the best, let me give you a little bit of this guy's background. First of all, you guys got a minute because this is going to take a minute to give all his uh, things that he's accomplished. And John, if I leave anything out, uh, I forgive me, but you have so many accomplishments. This will this takes a little bit. This guy has been on ABC News, NBC News, Fox 2020, Good Morning America, uh, the Joan River Show, you know, back in the 80s. Um, so all these years he's he's done all these things he's also a former mr america mr usa which is why he's very relevant to this conversation today trained thousands of champions in bodybuilding uh runs a very successful uh, pt business now and it gets unparalleled results 
with his trainers and his clients when it comes to weight loss and fitness. Uh, John is also a nine-time trainer of the year and a fitness hall of fame inductee, one of the very few on the planet. And not to mention he's on the ISSA board of directors. Um, That is probably the cliff notes version. You know, this guy, you've accomplished so much, John. It's an honor for me to be able to introduce you on this call. Um, there's no one that knows bodybuilding and fitness and, and prep and, and all that stuff better than, than this guy. Well, Brandon, I, I really appreciate that. Very humbling. I, I uh, really, really appreciate that. Um, you know, I started, give you a little background on me. I started when I was 10 years old. My mom had a heart attack and uh, my father was a, a bodybuilder. This is going back to <clears throat> 1968. <laughs> what was that? You know, I missed that. Uh, you know, uh, well, we carved up. Uh, when, I remember the day I carved up. George, George was taking one of the uh, cherry, some cherries down out of the apple tree. He gave me some of those, and I carved up on them. But um, you know, I uh, so 1968, my mom had a heart attack. She was my grandfather died of a heart attack at 35 years old. I never met him. My mom was nine. My father had a heart, uh, my, my mother had a heart attack when she was 36, I was 10 years old. Um, so when that happened, my mom went in the hospital. I was the youngest of three. So my dad, he didn't know, you know, he was a mailman. And back then fathers had their roles. They, 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 they paid the bills, took care of the responsibilities. Mom took care of the kids. It was a different time. And uh, so when my mom went in the hospital, my father didn't really know, you know, what do I do with the three kids? I was the youngest. So he was a weightlifter. So he handed me a barbell when I was 10 years old. I started training when I was 10. And then uh, when I was 13 years old, uh, my dad was bringing home magazines uh, with a bodybuilder called, you know, named Dave Draper and Arnold was on the cover. And, uh, you know, all the uh, Steve Reeves, all the old, old timers, uh, Larry Scott. And, um, and so at 13 years old, I wrote down in a, a black and white composition book, I will be Mr. America. I, that was my goal. I wanted to be like all these guys that, you know, had won the Mr. America. And uh, when I was 13, my mom was 39. She had her second heart attack. Uh, at 13 years old, I was double splitting. I was training before I went to school in the morning and I was training after school when I got home from school. And if you look at, you know, if anybody goes to my Facebook page, because I have a big following on Facebook and my Facebook pages kind of tell the story, the albums and stuff you'll see a kid that was 13, 14, 15, 16 years old, incredibly focused. I have pictures uh, when I was uh, in 15 and 16 years old where, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pointing to my goal board on the wall that says, I will be Mr. America. And I mean, I have a documentation of everything. So a lot of times, you know, you have other, other personal training organizations that are locally and, and they'll, they'll try to call you out. And I just go, hey, look, you know, here's the history. And it's fully documented with photos from the time I was 14 really all the way up until present. I'm going to be 64. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm the old guy in the room here, but, you know, I, uh, I still got the guns. You oh, know, he's nice. Nice. So, you know, I um, told you I was out guns. Yeah. The bikes up there, you know, it's like, but, uh, now we both feel bad, Dan. <laughs> yeah, I see that. See, now, now, see, I, I'm getting older, so I'm going to have to work harder to, 
because you'll catch up soon. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, uh, well, I've got about you, 12 years. I got about 12 years so I can grow up and look like you. Yeah, but you could just <laughs> say you got the Frank Zane shredded body. You know? <laughs> no, I don't. You know? So just, you just, hey, if you're covered up, they don't know, you know? So, <laughs> right, you know? It, it, it goes back to when I was trained with Mr. America when I was young doing some of my first shows. And uh, he said, let's see your posing routine. And, you know, so I'm, I'm hitting my, I'm going through my pose routine and I'm real, you know, teenage, cocky teenager, you know, yeah, hitting my poses. And so my right calf had a split, like it, it could, I could, I could, uh, I had muscle control where I could make it like a heartbeat where, it, you know, it went back and forth. It had a big split in it. And so I would make it beat like a heartbeat. My left calf didn't have that. Okay. So, so I hit my right calf and I'm, 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 I'm making it split like a heartbeat. And then I turn and I hit my left calf and really nothing's happening. So I finished, I finished the routine and Steve Mahalik who was Mr. America who trained me at that age. He, he looks at me like this. What's wrong with you? I said, what do you mean? Why are you posing your crummy calf? He goes, I go, what do you mean? I, I was posing my calves. He goes, that calf's crummy. That's a good calf. So he goes, why would you show them the crummy calf? He goes, you only show them the good stuff. He says, so you hit, you hit, now mind you, I'm 16, 17 years old. So he says, you hit the calf, you show how it splits and, uh, and your muscle control with that. And then you go on to, you know, a, a front lat spread or, a, you know, a, a one-on bicep. He goes, you don't show the bad stuff. <laughs> Sounds if like how show, I got married. <laughs> he shows if you show your right calf and they see it, they're automatically going to think, okay, I guess the left calf looks like that. Right? <laughs> you don't say, look, look, my left calf, not so, not so good, you know? So, yeah, I learned that at a young age. You just show the good stuff. So, you know, if you stay covered up and you, if, you get, if your forearms looks pretty good, it's got some veins in it, you know, just kind of like, yeah, you see that? The rest of my body looks like that. One day I'll show you, you know? You know, so, but it. so, so anyway, so my, my, um, so when I was 13, you know, I was training twice a day at 13. When I was, I started competing at 15. And um, my first contest was the Teenage Suburban in, in, in New Jersey. And uh, I went there and I, I had I had a little girlfriend. I'm 15. I got this girlfriend and there was two other couples and they were going with me. And one guy was 17. He had his, he had his uh, driver's permit. So he drove, it was about a two hour drive to New Jersey. And we go to compete. And there's four guys in my class. And uh, after the pre-judging, my friends told me, John, man, you look incredible. You got the show. You got the show. So I'm, you know, the afternoon, I'm feeling pretty good. You know, I got my first show. I'm probably going to win. So we go back at night and, uh, you know, they get ready to go out on, they're getting ready to go out on stage. And the guy has the clipboard. He says, uh, yeah, Casey Kacharik, Dwayne Broadway, Tom Tewilga. You know, and so I said to the guy with the clipboard, I said, you made a mistake. I'm supposed to be out there. So he says, what's your name? I said, Defendus. He said, no, son, I'm sorry. You didn't make the cut. I'm like, no, you don't know. I won. My friends told me I won. Why would they lie to me? Right. I'm telling the guys, hey, I'm 15. You know, I'm, I'm 15. I'm I had the best build in my high school. So how could I lose the show? You know, that's what I'm thinking, you know. <laughs> Cause you don't know what's out there, you know? So, um, yeah, so I didn't get to go out on stage. I, it was the longest ride home because 
I, I was kind of mad at my friends who told me I won and I didn't go, even get the, a chance to go out on stage and, and get an award. So that was my first show. Uh, it, it, it's what I call a defining moment. Um, and through life, the greatest things that we could have is defining moments. Uh, and this is what's missing in today's, this new, new society of today where everybody's a winner. You know, there's a lot of people that don't like me because I'm very strong in my principles and my attitude, you know, that you have to earn that status. If you want to be a winner, you got to actually be a winner. You know, second place is not, is not the victory. Third place is not the victory. Hey, you know, you tried hard. I could give you a pat on the back for giving, giving, you know, giving it hundred percent, but you're not the winner. You know, there's one winner. And if you, if you, if you're happy with second, you're never going to strive for first. So I always tell people, look, you know, I commend, if you gave hundred percent, I commend you for that. But you know what? We got more work to do, you know, and, and I had more work to do and I knew it. So that, that was a defining moment because I never wanted to feel like that again, you know? And I trained harder and I got educated. I trained with Mr. America the year after that. I trained uh, Steve Mallet, Mr. America. And by the time I was 18, I was able to win the Teenage Mr. New York and the Mr. New York title the same night. I'm the only teenager to ever do that. Wow. And it was because of that loss at the Suburban, you know? Um, and uh, we have these moments in life. Hopefully we have these moments in life, the defining moments. The problem today is, you know, and, and I have a video clip that I took of my mother, you know, and give you going back to my mother, she had a heart attack at 36, 39 and 42. So uh, when I was 10, 13 and 16, my mom had a heart attack. She almost died. She was trauma hooked by helicopter on her third heart attack. But by the time I was 16, I had all this knowledge of training and nutrition. So when my mom got out of the hospital, I put her on a program and in less than little less than two years, I took 180 pounds off of her, took her from 320 down to 140. Wow. Okay. Now this is a woman, her third heart attack at 42 years old. She would have died by the time she was 40. There's no way she would have made 45, you know, tray full of medicine um, and got her off all the medication, uh, you know, took that 180 pounds off of her. Thank God, knock on wood, knock on wood there. My mom's going to be 89 this year. Awesome. This is a woman that wouldn't wow. have lasted to her 45th birthday. She's going to be 89. And I, I had to laugh because my mom on her 88th birthday was visiting from Florida. And I did a video of her. I said, hey, what was it like when I was a kid? And I, I post this video on Facebook periodically. And this is my mom at 88 years old. She says... She says, you were this little skinny kid, this little scrawny kid who came up from the basement where your dad was working out. And you said, mommy, I'm going to be Mr. America. And she goes, <laughs> and I laughed and I patted you on the head and said, sure, sure kid, sure you are, right? I, after I post that video and I say, think about the mentality of this woman, you know, back in 1961, who patted me on the head and laughed and said, sure you are, sure you kid, versus today's parents who say, oh my God, you are Mr. America. You're the best. You're the greatest, you know? And when my mom said that, I probably went, you know what? I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you I'm going to be Mr. America, you know? Because sometimes there's, you know, people, you know, they, uh, they over-reward. They're telling them, oh, you're the greatest. You're the best. You're the greatest. You're the best. And then you know what happens, especially parents today, they keep they keep telling their children how incredible and how great they are. And then they go out into the workplace. And one day the boss says, you know, I really need you to do a better job than that. What? 
Are you kidding me? And they crumble, you know, and, 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 and this is, it's, it's really a thing that's really gotten to me in the last few years because, you know, the bar has dropped so bad and we really need to pick up that bar, you know, not only for ourselves, but we need to be the example to show, look, the bar's higher than that. You know, um, I could say, listen, I had a great career. You know, this is what I've accomplished in my life. You know, now it's time to, you know, have a pina colada and sit on the beach, you know, but I am responsible for a lot of people, you know, just like you guys, you know, if you're training people and you're working with people and you're helping people to be healthier and to be better, you, you have to be the example. You are the inspiration for that. And if you let that guard down and you, you show them weaknesses, and I don't, I don't like to show weaknesses to people that I'm trying to inspire. You know, a lot of people, sometimes they say, well, sometimes you want to show them that weakness because, you know, they're, I don't believe in that. I'm not going to, if, 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 if I'm going to be 64 years old, if I'm going to go have a piece of pizza, I'm not going to post that on Facebook and say, hey, I'm having a piece of pizza. You know, because right there, the next time I try to hold a client accountable, yes, they're going to say, well, wait a minute. What about you? What about you with the pizza? You know, Jim. You know, yeah. Oh, yeah. I try not to go to like big restaurants and stuff. It's not that I don't go out, but like I'm very sure. cautious because my athletes or other competitors. Yeah. And I'm a judge for NPC. Yeah. They'll sure. see me like, oh, you eat this all the time. Hard. No. But like, exactly. See their perception is a reality. Yeah. They don't you know, they don't see you when you're carb depleting and when you're, you're going in the gym where you have no energy, but you have to go through a, a, a hour and a half workout like a like a mad woman. You know, I mean, they don't yeah. they don't see that. They just see the then that, that'll be etched in their mind forever, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, what about you with the pizza? That was like two years ago. Oh, I'm not going to forget that, you know? Right. <laughs> anyway, so, so yeah, so my life really, the, the big factor, the biggest defining point in my life was saving my mother's life because at 18 years old, I realized, you know, God blessed me with, uh, with knowledge and ability to be able to save the most important person in my life, you know, the person who gave me life, and give her back that life. And so I started working in gyms at 18 years old and training people at a time where there was no training. You know, I, I posted a picture the other day of me doing a seminar for the trainers in the gym I managed in 1979. Okay. You know, you're talking about 43 years ago when training wasn't even a thing. And I was training the trainers to be able to help people lose weight and get in shape, you know, and, you know, uh, you go back that far of the history, you know, you're, you, you were the pioneers and, and you, 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 you did it because you loved helping people, you know, just, you know, the same, the same way you guys, you know, and, and the biggest thing is, you know, with you being a competitor, also a great champion, you, um, you, you understand the journey and the commitment, you know, because people say to me all the time, how do you get up early in the morning and work 15 hour days and you pour your passion into it and you're so passionate about it? And really the answer is simple. Two things. My, I call it my mother, my mission, you know, that, you know, I know I could save people's lives, number one. And number two, I understand and appreciate the commitment and the hard work. And I never want to let anybody down because they didn't have the knowledge to be able to make that hard work pay off, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And bodybuilding, it does take a, a different level of dedication to it, right? Because some sports you can get away with not eating the greatest, right? Some sorts you can get away with, eh, maybe I'll skip this training session. I'll be okay. But with bodybuilding, like every, 
every little bit adds up. And when you get on that stage and you're like, oh, that little bit right there, that, that's that three workouts that I skipped, you know, that's that piece of pizza that I had, you know, it shows for sure. So it's a, it's a whole different animal. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And you're probably a lot like me, you know, I, I, I don't cut corners. I'm not the um, politically correct guy when it comes to that, you know, when people are like, well, you know, I couldn't help it. What do you mean you couldn't help it? You know, like, not a problem. I go, hey, look, you know what? I'm sure you'll enjoy the third place trophy. I'm sure you'll be. <laughs> what do you mean? I go, what do I mean? You think somebody's not working hard, that they're not hungrier, that they didn't have that piece of cheesecake last night after dinner. You know, they, they ate their chicken and they went home and went to bed. I go, and you're sitting there eating your cheesecake and you're thinking you're going to, you're getting away with something. You're not getting away with it. It's all going to show up on stage, you know? You know what time it is. Time for another ISSA rapid review. Kente Bates had this to say about our certified personal training course. Hey, nothing beats ISSA, period. Well, we appreciate you, Kente. Thanks for the review. Hey, he was the same way in coaching and training too, as far as personal training in your business. The, you never messed around. That's why I became pretty good at what I did because John does not cut corners and he doesn't let his people cut corners. And he's an amazing coach and mentor. Just got to say, man, I got to give you, you had a huge impact on me in, in that way. You definitely don't. You have a very high standard. Well, you know, thank you. And a lot of, you know, there's a lot of people that don't like it. You know, it's funny because, you know, when somebody doesn't, they, they don't care to be at that standard. Um, or they show up late for clients or they have as soon as sh somebody shows me they don't care about the client uh, uh, my organization is not the one they want to be in what's important is that you know we stay healthy we stay in good shape I I'm not competing against my 30 year old you know when I was 30 I'm competing against uh, I want I want to be healthy I want to live and I always tell you know especially bodybuilders because the way the sport's gone you know it's gotten a little bit out of control you know and uh you know, people are dying in the sport. And, and, and I said, you know, the, the, the object is to win and be able to live a long life and tell about it, you know? And that's, that's how it was with me. It really was about health. It's always been about health, you know? Building a great physique, but staying healthy. And I think that's the, really the emphasis that we need to put on, you know, today's bodybuilding, bring it more back to what it was originally about in its aesthetics and health, you know? Building a great physique that's healthy. You know, and, um, you know, I'm not going to judge anybody for what they do or don't do. But the part that gets me is when it impacts other people. And, um, you know, like recently a, a bodybuilder passed away and he was you know, on Instagram and he was basically promoting steroid use and talking about taking drugs and everything. And, I'm, and, and every time I'm, I'm cringing, I'm saying, you know, you know how many lives you're affecting with that, you know, yeah. and, and he passed away. He's 29 years old. And um, I don't need to say his name, but he passed away at 29 years old last week. And, and one of my friends wrote, you know, RIP. And, you know, it's very sad. We shouldn't talk about drugs now. It's not a time to talk about drugs. And I said, actually, it is a time to talk about drugs because this is the time we need to make an example of why you should not abuse drugs because it's going to catch up with you. Because what about all the kids that that affects that are going to listen to you because they look up to you because you have a big arm or, you know, you're ripped or whatever. And they're listening to the stuff that really shouldn't be, you know, it's, it's, it should not be a factor, you know, um, drugs was always a, a, a part of bodybuilding years ago, but they were 
prescribed clinically by doctors at that time, you know, when I was younger, you know, but I trained 11 years, I was completely natural. And, you know, that's the way, you know, I wanted to be healthy. And throughout my whole life, the most important things, my health, and people say to me today, hey, you know, you still look great. You know, you're five, seven, 250 pounds in good shape. Why don't you compete? It's simple, because I'm not going to use drugs. I'm not going to, yeah. I'm not going to risk my life and my health, you know, at this point, at, at this point in the game, you know, that's not going to happen because I'll end up dead, you know, and it's not, you know, it's health is the most important thing, basically, you know? Absolutely. And I, as somebody who's in the competitive field right now, like I a hundred percent agree, it should go back to being about a nice physique and being healthy. Cause so many people look at it as you're trying to chase the impossible. Well, if yes. it's impossible, that means that nobody's meant to get there. And the only way you can get there is artificially. Um, oh, so yeah. I know that you build your business around natural training. So let's talk about sure. that. So what, what is a training program specifically? We'll talk about the nutrition separately. What does a training program look like for bodybuilding when you're, when you're working with someone? Okay. I'm going to explain something because I think the biggest thing, and there's a lot of things, little nuggets, you know, we all have knowledge that we've acquired over the years. If I sat down with you, you'd be able to tell me things that would, wow, that's, that's a great point. That's interesting, you know, but I was really a pioneer in the sport and a lot of the stuff I created through time. Okay. And, you know, and, and, and I'm going to hit on things. Even with the certification programs, I used to say it's a phenomenal certification program. You know, I recommend it to everybody, obviously, because I'm you know on the board of directors and I believe in it. But there are things that that um, are important to me, and and I'll give you an example. There's two parts of a movement according to the ISSA, according to NASM, according to IFPA. All these organizations will teach you the eccentric and the concentric. Okay, now you learn the eccentric and the concentric, and then probably 30 years ago, I got to thinking about that. Number one, if you teach the eccentric and the concentric, then people could still throw the movement and still, it could still get sloppy. So I came up with a five parts of a movement of an exercise, which would be, say we're doing a tricep press down. You have uh, the first position, you're bringing that bar down to your chest, your elbows are in and your triceps are in a stretch position. Any exercise that we do, that first position is a stretch position, whether it's a leg extension, you know, whether it's a curl where our biceps are stretched, whether it's a tricep press down. So I said the first part of the movement is going to be stretch. The second part of the movement is going to be flex. Once I flex my, if I'm doing a tricep press down, I flex. Once I flex my triceps, the elbows lock in. Okay. So you have stretch, flex, the third part, drag through the movement. The fourth part, uh, the, uh, c- the contraction. And then the fifth part, fighting the negative. So you have stretch, flex, drag, contraction, or we say squeeze, make it simple, and then fight the negative. So I teach the trainers, listen, when we're starting out somebody on a program, we want to do the ultra fit five parts of the movement, stretch, flex, drag, squeeze, fight the negative, right? Now, here's why, and it's not that eccentric and concentric isn't good, but here's the problem where I think a lot of the certification programs get too technical. Mary Smith's 100 pounds overweight. She came to the gym four different times, parked in the parking lot, cried her eyes out because she was intimidated, scared, afraid she couldn't do this and she'd be laughed at. So she drives away yeah. four, three, four times. 
that one day Mary Smith pulls in the parking lot, she gets the nerve to come in. All right, hey, I'm gonna help you, Mary, come over here. Let me show the, you the eccentric and this concentric part of the movement. I don't know about you, but if I'm that person, I'm probably out the door. And it's not to say anything negative about the, you know, the certification programs, because they have to teach that. You know, that's important that they teach that. But we also have to make it a little bit simpler in some, some terms, because if we scare Mary away by giving her language she's not used to, then, you know, and I'll be honest, I, I don't want to hear giant words that are going to scare, scare me away. If, if, it's, if I'm going to do something brand new, I don't want to hear giant words that are going to make me even more intimidated. I want something, you know, and then I could explain later on about the eccentric and the concentric, you know, I could, you know, kind of roll into that, but I want to make it really as simple as possible, you know, and that's what, that's really what, what we do with, with, with UltraFit. You know, I have them get ISSA certified, you know, we bring them in, we train them, you know, on more, some more practical stuff that really is applicable to, you know, um, that person training, uh, depending on the level that they're at, you know? So here's the other thing. And, and this has nothing to do with the certification programs at all. It's all about practical training. Here's what I'll say. And, and, and I'm going to tell you some things that are really secrets to what we do when we really show the value of training. You know, ISSA hired me to write the, um, the, 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 the um, how to build a training program and how to, um, uh, you know, get the trainers on the page of, of uh, implementing a business, a business plan for that. Um, Adrian Hutber, I don't know if you know Adrian Hutber, he was originally the uh, vice president uh, of ISSA. And he ended up going off to a different, he went to ACSM, but he came here when he was with, I, uh, he, when he was with ISSA and he spent the week here while we were writing that program up. We never finished it because he ended up going to ACSM. But here's what I tell people. You have a guy who's been training, in, in, and especially now, because you'll get a lot of guys, they, they start to work out, and all of a sudden, somebody tells them they should take steroids. They jump on steroids, and they gain 20 pounds in eight weeks. And now that guy, you can never tell that guy how to train because he gained 20 pounds in eight weeks. Yeah. When it had nothing to do with training knowledge. That man needs training knowledge, but now you got to try to get him to open his mind to that. you know. And I'm being real. I mean, some of these things I don't know if I should even be talking about, but I'm being real because... This is the real world. These are people that, you know, this is the scenario, especially today. So, so now I get that guy and I say, you know, you know what, what's worse than the lack of knowledge? And Brandon, I probably talked to you about this before. What's worse than the lack of knowledge? Too much. The illusion of knowledge. Oh. Okay. Okay, the illusion of knowledge, because once a person, if a person lacks knowledge, they can seek knowledge, the illusion of knowledge, my mind is closed. Okay, I know I don't need to know what you know, because I know. Okay, and this is the problem with a lot of people today. And it's really about learning how to open up that door for people in gyms, for them to embrace an ISSA trainer and say, okay, you know, I want to know what you know, can you help me? Okay, so here's what I do. I got a guy who's been working out. He thinks he's thinks he's you know a bodybuilder, you know, he, but and he thinks he knows, but he really doesn't have the knowledge. So I say to him, Bob, 
What do you do for chest? Matter of fact, Bob, I'm going to tell you what you do for chest. You probably start out with bench press. Then you go to incline press. Then you go to flat flies. Then maybe cables or pec deck. And nine out of 10 times, how do you know that? How do you know that's what I do? And go, because that's what like 99% of the people do. They start with bench press. They go to inclines. Then they go to flat flies. Then they go to pec deck or cables. Okay. So now my question is, all right, well, Bob, let's say I'm going to bring you in the gym and we're going to do a workout. You're going to, Dan, you're going to do a workout with me. Okay. Now today we go in the gym. I said, Dan, you're going to work out with me. So we start out with barbell curls. Okay. And then we do three sets of barbell curls. And then I say, okay, come over here to squat rack. Now we're going to do three sets of squats. So we do three sets of squats. Now I come over here and I do preacher curls on the preacher machine. Okay. And then now we go over and we do shoulder laterals. Now we come over and I'm, we're doing dumbbell concentration curls. Okay. Would that make sense to you? Good. Absolutely. Think, well, think about if I'm trying to, if I'm trying to maximize bodybuilding and th- don't think outside the box, think if, Typically, I'm going from uh, three sets of a bicep exercise to three sets of squats to three sets of a bicep exercise to three sets of laterals to three sets of a bicep exercise. Does, Would that make sense? make sense in the traditional bodybuilding programming? No. Right. Okay. Not. So so here's, here's the thing. The purpose of training, when you're trying to train a muscle, and this is really getting down to the nuts and bolts of things, is I want to fully congest that muscle with blood. I want to train that muscle. I want to annihilate that muscle. And then I want to move on. I don't want to get start to get the blood into my biceps and then bring the blood into my legs and then try to get the blood into my biceps again and then bring the blood into my shoulders and then try to get it back to my biceps. It's counterproductive. The blood's going all over. I want to work that muscle. In order to work that muscle, I want to fully congest it with blood. And, you know, so the order of the exercises, and this is, again, you know, and, and, I, and, and I'm not familiar with the way different people do different things, but this is my entire philosophy and what's created over 600 champions. Brandon, Brandon lied a little bit. He said, I trained over a, a thousands of <laughs> champions. I've actually trained 600 real champions, 600 overall title holders. So, we, you know, we're talking, which is a large volume of people over the years, you know, a lot of years too. Um, but so, and that's women figure, women bikini, women bodybuilding. I mean, you know, men bodybuilding over 40, you know, you name it. So my philosophy has always, has always been on aesthetics and shape. You know, what is aesthetics and shape? What's going to create a great body? Wide round shoulders, wider lats, small waist, sweep to the thigh, a nice sweep to the thigh, you know, not, you know, not over developing the lower head of the quad because, it, it looks like a football player leg rather than a, you know, you want, you want that shape and she knows what she's smiling over there. She knows what I'm talking <laughs> about, you know? So you want that beautiful shape. It's all about shape, you know? And so to me, bodybuilding figure, bodybuilding, you know, bikini, all, no matter what, it's all about shape. So I want to develop the greatest shape in a person's physique. So looking at that, you know, if I want to train back, you know, I want to start with lats because lats are the biggest muscle in the back. But you want to draw as much blood into the lats and then you want to train the lats and then draw the blood from the lats into your middle back and then lower. You know, so there's there's a specific order. The way I do things with every program There's a specific order of the exercises. So 
taken into consideration, if, I, if I'm going to train a muscle and I want to congest that muscle with blood and train that muscle completely, then the important thing is, you know, focusing on that air, that muscle. So what I've done all these years is take each individual muscle and break it down. Okay. So if I'm starting with bench press, bench press works your middle chest. You'll hit some outer, you hit some inner, but it's all predominantly it's middle chest, a lot of triceps and shoulders, but middle chest. Inclines works upper. Flat flies work middle, cables work middle. If I'm doing regular cable flies, pec deck works middle. So when a person, a typical chest workout for a male, they're focusing on, they're starting with bench press, middle chest, they're going to incline upper chest, they're going to flies middle, pec deck middle, cables middle. So they have all this middle chest work. They're jumping around with the blood. So what we want to do is we don't want to build our chest out. Uh, any male should not want to build their chest out. Any female should not want to build their chest out. She want to build it up, okay? Because by building the chest up, at some point, if you take a layoff, that chest is going to drop and you still have pecs. But if you build your chest out, you end up with man, man boobs, okay? So... <laughs> You know, and, 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 and when you get older like me, you get to be 60, your chest drops. I still have pecs because my chest was like this. It was high and, and thick, you know. So when it drops and you lose that muscle, you still have pecs, you know. But you'll see a lot of bodybuilders, they get older and their chest is down here, you know. So there's certain exercises that are long lost exercises that I feel are really critical. The pullover exercise, incredibly critical. It is to me, it is the greatest upper body exercise because it gives you width from side to side. It gives you depth and it brings your chest up and high and it works the serratus muscles, which especially on a male, you're laying back on that lounge chair. You know, you show those sharp serratus muscles it's like, wow, that guy's ripped, you know? <laughs> you know, just because that really is, it stands out. It's dominant, you know? Yeah. So pullovers, I started doing pullovers when I was 12 years old. We had an old uh, redwood picnic bench, you know, with the, with the arc on the benches, you know, they go around the table and I drag one of those redwood picnic benches into my basement. And I started doing pullovers over that at 12 years old. So a lot of the development having the upper body came from doing those pullovers over the bench and high, high reps. So even when people do pullovers today, they don't do, they, they're doing eight reps, 10 reps, 12 reps. You see a guy with a hundred pound dumbbell doing pullovers over a bench. He's working arms and shoulders and very little uh, serratus, very little rib cage, very little upper pec, you know? So to me, the pullover exercise, it's a high rep exercise. Uh, you wanna do 20 to 25 reps. You wanna start chest off with that because it's gonna not only uh, work your rib cage and your, your serratus, but it's gonna get your, get your chest, get that blood going in your upper chest. So then from there, you're doing all upper chest. So. We start with pullovers, which work rib case, serratus, and upper chest. Then we go to incline dumbbell, incline cable, incline, you know, uh, flies, you know, um, and then presses to the, the presses high on the chest for upper chest. So all that work is going into the upper chest, which is building the chest up, you know. And so when you look at one of my athletes, you'll see a lot of things that are very similar, you know. And, you know, so people are like, well, that guy's got good genetics. That guy, hey. Well, my guy's got good genetics, I guess, you know, but it's not physical genetics that make the difference. It's two things. It's mental genetics and it's knowledge, you know, 
That's really what it comes down to. I could take a person that has no genetics and I could build them a great physique if they have this, you know? So a lot of times somebody will come to me, a, a female or a male, either one, whether they want to do figure, bodybuilding, whatever, and they'll say, hey, can you take a look at me? Yes, yeah, sure. So they get into their bikini or their, or their uh, posing trunks and they pose for me and I don't really know them really well. I'm just meeting them for the first time. And afterwards they say, so what do you think? Do I have, uh, do I have good genetics? And I said, I don't know. I haven't talked to you. <laughs> and they're like, like what do you mean you got like, what do you mean i go genetics is not a physical thing to me genetics is a mental thing i've i've had guys that had the greatest physical genetics in the world i couldn't do anything with them they were lazy they couldn't stay on a diet they didn't want to train they, they why are you even doing this you know this isn't for you you know but i've taken people who had no physical genetics and turned them into champions i'll give you an example rich gasparri Yep. Terrible genetics became a great champion because his his mind was more powerful than his physical genetics. You know, um, I mean, really took it all the way to a point where very few people could have done what Richard did because he really didn't have the physique. He created the physique, you know, uh, you know, men, there's a there's a lot of people like that, but not so much now. You know, now it's see, the problem is now it's, you know, people are bypassing a lot of knowledge they're bypassing work and they're trying to make up with with up with make up for it with either um supplements or drugs or whatever yeah. it's not about drugs it's not about supplements it's about knowledge and hard work you know well john i, I i'm i'm training chest in a few hours and uh, <laughs> you've got me you've got me pretty fired. fired up here yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, okay dan dan you got a pen i want you to write this down you got a pen i well yeah sure Grab a pen. I'm going to tell you exactly what to do. And when you finish this workout, you're going to go, that was unbelievable. And I hate that man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You got a pen? I do. I do. Okay. Now, low cable on the low cable. Take the low cable. This She's going to love this. I know she's going to love this. Take the, you have a BOSU ball? I do. Take a BOSU ball, put it at the end of the bench. Okay. You're going to take a low cable. And you're going to lay down on that bench. The base of your back is at the bottom of the BOSU. The top, the upper chest is at the top of the BOSU. Okay. Yeah. So you're using, in the 1970s, we had a thing called a half moon bench. Okay. And it was a bench that was flat and it had this huge hump on it. Right. And that hump was for your chest. So your chest was way up the top. So you had this full stretch, this bit, you know, you were on that angle. So that full stretch. Well, seven years ago i'm looking all over the internet for a half moon bench can't find it right it doesn't exist anymore so i said you know what i gotta figure this out so i went and i bought the bosu ball i have a home gym i have a commercial home gym brandon will tell you it's it's like everybody's dream to have the gym i have at home it's, it's awesome so i bought i bought a bosu ball i put it at the end of the bench and this is what i did so you're, you're the base of your back is at the bottom your upper chest is at the top of the ball you're, you're, you know, you have the cable behind you like this. So you're using a straight, short, straight bar and you get, you want to stretch all the way, get a really good stretch and then flex the serratus. Okay. You're going to feel that serratus, take a deep, deep, deep breath. And you're going to drag, drag that cable over. Okay. You can't drag a dumbbell, but you can drag the cable. Try dragging a dumbbell. You're going to fail and then you're going to throw it. You know, it's, so with the cable, you're using a weight. Now, the rep range is really critical. 
Because if you do six reps or eight reps or 10 reps or 12 reps, you're using too much weight. You end up throwing the weight using your shoulders and your arms. So you're going to do five sets of 20 reps. Okay. After your first set, you're going to get up off that bench and you're going to go, Oof, wow. I mean, because you really feel it. And she's going to do, I'm telling you, she's going to love this. She's going to, next week, every one of her clients is going to be doing cable pullover. You watch, right? <laughs> so, but, so, so this cable pullover, you're doing five sets of 20 reps. I mean, four or five sets, whatever. You know, we do five, but so five sets of 20 reps, dragging the weight and you're coming right over your upper chest and you're squeezing your upper chest right here. Okay. So you're going from that. And how old are you, Dan, if you don't mind me asking? I'm 52. But Dan really John, hesitated. I'm, I'm three months out of shoulder surgery. I didn't have a chance to say that. So I'm not okay. going to be doing any pullovers today. I can barely okay. get my arm up well, there. <laughs> what, what, did you have a replacement? No, I had a, uh, uh, I think it's a clavicular resection. So they, you know, nipped off the end of my collarbone, cleaned that up and reattached my supraspinatus tendon. So you you do you have do you have any range going back or no? Now I do, yeah, yeah. I'm, well, I'm doing shoulder presses see, with eight pounds, brother. I'm, I'm see what there. I would do is use <laughs> use almost use almost no weight. Use like the first plate on the free motion, like two and a half pounds. You know, yeah, yeah. just something to get the movement because it's not that exercise is not about the weight at all. You know, it's really. I mean, I had a I had a complete shoulder replacement because two years ago, well, three years ago at 60, 60, uh, 61 years old, I'm doing sets of 12 with 330 on the press machine and I'm I'm wasting my 20 year old trainers in my gym and my ego took over and I kept doing it workout after workout I got video I got actually videos at 60 doing 330 pound presses for 12 reps and you know Brandon Brandon's seen it Brandon knows I'm not but, yeah. but nobody told me nobody told me that the joint wears out you know I figured the muscle's good so I'm yeah. good you know so I wore out the joint so I had a, I had a complete shoulder replacement on the left shoulder and they put the wrong shoulder replacement in. They, I needed a reverse. So nine weeks later, they had uh, they had to go back in, take out the shoulder replacement, which they cut the bicep tendon. And they had, I mean, it's a major surgery, six-hour surgery. But wow. nine weeks later, I had a second six-hour surgery. And two weeks later, I was training. And I, 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 can, I, can do, I can do just about anything. I just can't train real heavy anymore, you know? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so the reason I asked about your age is because, and especially with your shoulder surgery, um, if it's somebody's over 40, what I, I always focus on pre-exhausting a muscle before we go to presses. Okay. So if let's say you did, you did the pullovers, you go from pullovers, which again, it's not a hard, it's not real hard on the shoulder. If you're not using a lot of weight, if you're using a lot of weight, yeah. But if you're using almost no weight, you're really focusing on your rib cage. So you kind of feel it out. If, 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 if you can't do it, you can't do it. But from there, I would go to, um, incline cable flies, um, four or five sets of 12 to 15 reps on the incline cable fly. And then from there to incline dumbbell press, you know, keeping the reps somewhere between eight to 10. Again, there, I always give a rep range on the exercise. So that gauges it for the client where, you know, if I give you an eight to 10, less than eight's too heavy, more than 10's too light. So we want to keep it between that rep range. So pullovers, that rep range is 20 to 25. Uh, incline cable flies 12 to 15, uh, it presses your incline presses, uh, eight to 10. And then from there going from um, upper chest to middle, middle, I've, I haven't done bench press in 47 years. I stopped doing bench press when I was 18, when I saw my chest was going this way and I looked like it didn't look good. So I wanted to, I decided I'm going to bring that baby up, you know, 
I like want Mount Everest, you know, I want to like, you know, put the six pack on there, you know? <laughs> so, so go, so after the, all the upper chest exercises, you know, usually uh, dumbbell flies supersetted with cable flies, pec deck, you know, all the middle chest stuff, and then finishing with lower chest, which, you know, for male, I, I focus on lower, a lot of lower chest stuff for male, not so much for female. I mean, it's not like you got to really develop your lower chest, you know, um, yeah. it's not something that's going to be real prominent, you know? Um, you know, you could do something just for the muscle, but it's not going to be anything that's going to be, you know, relative. So, so basically that's it. You know, you pull overs, 20, 25, incline cable flies, incline press, um, you know, your, your flat flies, maybe supersetted with pec deck or flies uh, or cables, and then uh, chin on chest dips, uh, chin on chest dips, leaning forward with the chin down for lower pecs. Um, that would be a typical chest workout. I do a lot of sets. My whole life, I've done 40, about 40 sets of body part, 40 to 60. And now I do about 30 sets of body part and, and hard and heavy. Brandon, a lot of people say, well, you do 40 sets of body part. You train with light weights. You know, I mean, I had a, um, I had a 550 no. incline. I squatted 500 for sets of 20. I mean, crazy stuff, wow. you know. Um, you, guys are, um, you guys are familiar with Ronnie Coleman, I'm sure. Uh-huh. Um, you know, well. Um, Flex Magazine did a big article just a few years ago. The, and Brandon will tell you, I have the copies of it. I post that also. It's the 10 hardest training bodybuilders in the history of bodybuilding. I was fourth. Ronnie was fifth. So that kind of gives you an idea of where I stood. You know, Ronnie is, Ronnie trained hard, you know, but uh, they, they have me uh, right in front of Ronnie. And with Tom Platts being first, because Tom Platts was a, he was a freak. Um, incredible. Yes, he was. Yes, he yeah. was. Yeah. Tom's a, John- Tom's a good friend. We're, 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 I, I just wanted to make sure before, because I, I could listen to this all day. I see Jenny taking Absolutely. notes and uh, she's, she's being that she's in it right now. Yeah. Uh, I know she's taking notes and, and can learn from you all day long. But to, uh, in the interest of time, we want to make sure that, that we hit our time limits and everybody gets to hear everything you have to sure. say. What would be really good right now is if you could share with our listeners how they can find you. So, whether social media website, I yes. mentioned Facebook, by the way, I already clicked yeah. follow. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of people, a, a lot of people are really big on Instagram. I'm not, see, I, we connect, I've had over 500 trainers work for me over the years and I have probably about 70 trainers right now. So my trainers are all connected to me on Facebook and the clients are all connected on Facebook. And um, I use my personal page as as my business page because I want it to be personal, you know, and I tell the trainers, you know, even though you're using your personal page for your, you know, your business page, you know, still post, you know, some personal stuff. So people see that, you know, how you are as a human being, not just, you know, not just the trainer person, but you as a human being, as long as, you know, you're not posting, you know, stuff that's, you know, you know, just not, you know, well, you know, not, not professional. professional. Yeah, yeah. That's right. You know, well, I found yeah. it. It's John Defendus for our listeners out there. And that's the best way to find you. Then. Yeah. And, and I am on there. Fifth, I ain't kidding you. And Brandon will tell you, I'm on there 14, 15 hours a day while I'm on the phone. So I'm on there when, when my entire day is on Facebook because all the clients I have on Facebook and they write. So if a trainer is training a client and the client has a, a question, they send me a Facebook message and then I answer those messages. So the clients always have the answer, even if their trainer is with somebody. Cause you know, I tell trainers, when you're with a client, you're not going to be on your phone. You're not going to be texting people. You know, you're going to be focusing on the client. You know, if the client's paying, you know, uh, uh, you know, a dollar 50 and a dollar 50 a minute, 
for training, how many minutes wouldn't you mind losing if you were the client, you know, at a dollar yeah. fifty a minute or you know whatever the the, the 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 fee is for that session, you know. So I tell the trainers, you know, now we do the trainers do take pictures during their workout, like when a client a client trained, they'll take the camera out. I said, you know, take a couple pictures, put your put your phone away, so they're not going to post anything while they're training anybody. But afterwards, we're very big on on uh, the community and, and cheering each other on and you know, posting pictures of clients working really hard, you know, but in South Carolina, we've taken over a hundred pounds off of more than 1000 people, you know, individually, wow. you know, That's so amazing. you're talking about, you know, the, the and Brandon will tell you, it's the number one organization for, as far as results go, you know, and, and, and he's learned a lot, which he uses in, you know, with the workout anytime organization, which is phenomenal because it really, you know, works exponentially. We have, you're able to help so many people, you know, I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for your time. And uh, I, like I said, I'm following you. I encourage our listeners to. Brandon, thank you so much for the introduction and, uh, uh, you know, bringing John to join the ISSA podcast when he's actually been at this company a heck of a lot longer than yeah. any of us have. Than any of us, yeah. <laughs> I well, ISSA, let me, let me say something about the ISSA. Phenomenal organization. Um, you guys are doing an incredible job. I, I think it's great that, uh, you know, and I encourage everyone to, you know, get their certification and, you know, and if, if you're serious about, you know, uh, you know, getting, be, becoming a personal trainer, you know, contact Brandon Daniels at work at any time or contact myself. And, um, you know, we always have great opportunity for people who are passionate about fitness. And again, I always have to apologize for being, sometimes I'm a little overwhelming. It's my passion. Um, I'm like this 15 hours a day. People always say, you know, is this guy like this all the time? He, I am. Yeah. I am. I love it. He has no off button. That's why yeah. you're going to live to be over 100, John. You know, yeah, yeah, from, from, yeah. from, from your mouth to God's ears, man. You know it, brother. That's <laughs> why we do what we do. Jenny, do you want to take us home, sister? Absolutely. The bodybuilding certification with ISSA, you guys, is one of the most popular and our, one of our well, highest performing certifications that we have. And this is why uh, we have amazing minds behind it and they know what they're talking about. So if you have an interest in bodybuilding, of course, reach out to John, reach out to Brandon, reach out to ISSA, but check out the certification as well. There's a lot of great information out there and it doesn't just come from there, right? You learn on the fly, like John already told us. A lot of it you learn by experience, trial and error, um, but there's a lot that goes into bodybuilding. So thank you guys for joining us. We hope you learned a little bit and and there's so much more to learn. So keep learning. As Dan always says, I stole it from you, Dan. <laughs> yeah, I, I stole it from someone else. <laughs> you guys have been fantastic. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. You, to our listeners, we remind you to make good choices. We'll be talking to you soon. Yeah.